Crystal Bailey was a 29-year-old from Plainfield, Vermont. She was a mother of four and had a very tough life. On the night of February 25th, 2017, Crystal was in a car being driven by a drunk friend. They wrecked, then ran off. The driver was caught. Crystal was never seen again. I'm at Denzel, and this is Unfound. discuss the topic of water, actually bodies of water, quite a bit on Unfound. Sometimes it's an ocean, for example when we covered J.R. Mullahan's disappearance, or a golf, Tiffany Daniels, Dave Madot, Kent Monroe, and Omar Shearer, or a river, Jake Lachalet and Shane Fell, or a pond, Esther Westenbarger. We can extrapolate this out even further to possibly include Cameron Remmer and Jackson Miller and their proximity to the Golden Gate Bridge. And none of this takes into consideration all the searches of lakes and reservoirs we've discussed over the past five years. The tough part? Except for Esther, there's really no proof any of the others, and many more, ever ended up in any water at all. Zero proof. This makes trying to solve their disappearances very difficult. Well, in the disappearance of Crystal Bailey, after a car wreck, her friend got saved after almost drowning in a nearby Roaring Creek. Everyone seems to believe Crystal ended up in it as well. But was she really washed away? And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Lyonez's website, charlieproject.org. Crystal Bailey, as you will hear, had one of the toughest lives we've covered on Unfound. And true, some of it was of her own making. But it started at seven years old, with her father murdering her 13-year-old brother in 1994 the father ended up dying in prison. This started a two-decade spiral in which Crystal got into drugs. She had four children who were taken away from her due to her inability to parent them. In addition, people believe Crystal was pregnant with child number five at the time of her disappearance. So, on February 25th, 2017, Crystal was with her new boyfriend, Brian, and her friend, Allie. They were drinking and most likely doing drugs. Deciding that they needed more alcohol, Allie and Crystal left to get more, with Allie driving. Not far down the road from Brian's, on the outskirts of Plainfield, Vermont, Allie hit a guardrail on Brook Road, near Cameron Road. When EMTs showed up, the two women ran off. Allie jumped into the lower Great Brook that was high and fast-flowing, due to the snow melting. 
She almost drowned, but was saved by those same EMTs. It is not known for sure if Crystal ended up in that brook or not. She was never seen again. An extensive search of that area revealed only her phone and purse on the bank of the Raging Creek. My belief is unfound has moved missing persons theory forward quite a bit in the past five years. The program approaches disappearances differently than any other podcast or TV show out there. However, there are still no good ideas on what can be done when people believe a missing person went into a body of water but isn't found immediately. In an effort to eventually solve this problem, let us try to answer these three questions regarding Crystal's disappearance. Number one, is a splash heard by Ali enough to believe Crystal also went into the brook? Number two, if she went into the water, should not have Crystal, dead or alive, gotten hung up in the branches along the brook due to it not being that wide? And number three, does not covering a disappearance like this finally demolish the whole smiley face killer hoax? Crystal's family understands that no foul play has occurred, but they continue to be confused on why her remains have not been found. The guest for this episode is Crystal's sister, Michelle Audette. Unfound news. Thank you for all the birthday wishes. I'm 51 now. Really, I don't feel much different than when I was 35. Dare I say it, I think I actually look better now. And I continue to say, thanks to all of you, my friends, and my family, I am the most fortunate guy in the world. Next, I'm here in Pennsylvania seeing my dad. I flew here on Monday, August 2nd, and I will be returning to Florida on August 11th. I will crank out as much unfound work as I can while I'm here. Finally, Dr. Telesco and I have agreed on a date for me to speak at Nova Southeastern University later this year. That date, November 4th. I'm really looking forward to it. And oh, one more thing. I need to give an August 7th birthday shout out to two of the most influential people in my life. Longtime friend Doug and my good friend and possible ex-girlfriend Suzanne. I hope you both have wonderful days. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound supports accounts on Podomatic, iTunes, Spotify, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Deezer, and YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, please join us for the Unfound live show. All of you can talk with me, and I can answer your questions. Contribute to Unfound at patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast. You can also contribute at PayPal, paypal.me forward slash unfoundpodcast. I also need to give a huge shout out to all the people who have monetarily contributed using Super Chat during the live show on Wednesday nights. Thank you for watching and thank you for donating. The email address, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. Merchandise, the books at amazon.com in both ebook and print form. Do not forget the reviews. 
shirts at unfound-podcast.myshopify.com, or you can track down my assistant, Heather, in the Facebook group. Playing cards at makeplayingcards.com forward slash shell forward slash unfound podcast. The website, theunfoundpodcast.com. And please mention unfound at all true crime websites and forums. Thank you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the sister of Crystal Bailey, Michelle Audette. Michelle, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. You are Crystal's sister. Uh, how many kids, uh, how many siblings do you two have? What was the... Uh, your home life like as uh, little girls, as teenagers. Let's uh, get a feeling for the the Crystal and Michelle family first. There were three of us. There was myself and Crystal and our brother Michael. Uh, We were raised in some extremely bad situations, so our childhood Mm. was not great at all. Mm. Um, We lost our brother uh, when I was 12 and Crystal was 7. Oh, my. What happened? Um, he was murdered. Oh my. Okay. Was, uh, was his killer caught? Go yes. to jail? Is he still? Is this person still in jail? Or are they still in jail? Or or what? Uh, no, he passed away while incarcerated. Oh, okay. Okay. Why? Well, um, I'm sorry to hear that. And what what year would that have been? 1994. 1994. Okay. Um, so, uh, how did that affect you and and Crystal? That changed all of our lives, um, but it sent Crystal in a downward spiral. From that age on, she was always trying to escape the reality of everything that had happened, Mm -hmm. uh, which led to her decision-making and choices later on. Mm -hmm. So, even at seven years old... She, uh, that affected her greatly. Yes. Wow. Would you and her as, uh, little girls, I mean, not just even after it happened, but years later, would you talk about your brother, you know, remember him? I mean, what, you know, what would she say that caused you to think that, you know, it was still, uh, affecting her as I think most people would be making, it sounds like it was very, um, you know, hurt her quite a bit, affected her life, her choices. Um, what would she say about it? It was very hard, even though she was only seven at the time, uh, to comprehend what had happened as it was done by a family member. Um, And it was someone that was extremely close to us and to her. So Mm -hmm. it made it even harder to accept the fact of what had happened and Mm -hmm. everything that had led up to the events. Um, We would talk about Michael all the time, um, Mm -hmm. still do today. you know, all the memories, all the pictures, everything that we have. Mm-hmm. How old was he? 13. 
13-year-old murdered by another family member. Yes. Huh, okay. Uh, how did that affect um, your parents, um, your mother, any, any, anybody else? How, how did it affect, like, the adults at the time? It really affected my mother, like, it would losing any child, and now mm. to lose Crystal and lose a second child is just reliving the nightmare. Mm. Yeah. Um, just like it is to lose another sibling, or my only other sibling I had. Yeah, um, right. It burns up all of the, the memories from way back then. Right. So 1994... 2017 so 23 years later it's like going through the whole thing all over again yes okay all right how did that affect you uh, i know this uh episode is about crystal but how did it affect you why do you think that maybe it affected uh crystal differently than it affected you how do you explain that I think I chose a different path in life and refused to live through what I had lived through. Um, and I also got pregnant at 17, so I had a young child and refused to raise a child in that kind of upbringing. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to Crystal herself. You've already explained already at seven she has this traumatic experience with a, a brother being murdered. And... Um, what were some of the early signs that you saw being her older sister, five years older, that you maybe noticed, you know, that she was on a different path? Were they right away at seven or was it 10, 12, 13? Uh, what, what, how would you explain the age it? age of 12. Mm-hmm. Okay. What'd you see? What did you notice was, that was different from you? She was starting to, to dabble in the, the drinking, the alcohol. Uh, she was drawn to dating older men. Uh, none of those relationships were healthy relationships. They all involved domestic violence, um, which kind of points to what we experienced in our childhood. Mm-hmm. Wow. So she was kind of, uh, kind of emulating what she had seen. Yes. All right. And so when you say older men, she's 12 and they're like adult age? Yes. Like 20? 19 to be exact, Nin but 19, yeah. Okay, 19. And she was only 12? Yes. Okay. All right, so a uh, turbulent uh, childhood, uh, 12 years old. You start to see signs as her older sister. Of course, you experienced yourself. Is there anything maybe at the time that you can remember, uh, going back to then, that you know, you tried to talk maybe some, I don't know, some sense into her or try to get inside her mind to maybe put her on a different path. Any success like with that? I guess not. But what did you say to her and what would she say in return? It got really hard. We didn't have any success trying to get through to her. And I actually had moved out around that time. Um, so she felt like I was abandoning her. Um and so it was really hard to get through to her, to have her listen, to not not repeat any mistakes I had done or any mistakes that we had witnessed as children. Um, but at that age, she was defiant, um, like most teenagers, and knew best and didn't want to hear anything from anyone. Right. Uh, was your uh, mother any help in this situation? Uh 
my mother um, was not much of a help at that time. She was still going through the grieving process of losing our brother. Um, and so everyone deals with that differently, especially as a parent. Now as a parent, I can understand to a degree. Um, and so it was, it was hard to control, per se, an out-of-control teenager. Yeah. Right. Did, I mean, as far as you can remember, I mean, did Crystal have any joy in her life? You make it sound uh, very dark here. Did any, anything that she enjoyed, any interest, things that she got into at all? Or, or do you just remember that time as just being, you know, Crystal, you know, having problems and making bad decisions, et cetera? There were times that Crystal was clean and sober and she enjoyed being outside. She loved being in the water. Uh, she loves nature in general, um, hanging out with friends and dancing, singing, karaoke. Uh, so there were good times. Mm -hmm. Okay. What about her friends? What kind of uh, friends did she have? I mean, were they friends that kind of were on the same path that she was? Or were there any friends that maybe tried to talk some sense to her? How do you remember that? There were quite a few friends that were on the straight and narrow path who tried to talk sense into her, but the ones that were on the same path as her always seemed to um, get the most notice and you know, listen to. They, they were the ones that uh, won out in these situations. Yeah. Okay. Did Crystal uh, graduate high school? Crystal did graduate high school. She did, okay. Well, she managed to do that. Um, any jobs? What was she into? Like I said, I, I really don't know how uh, you know bad it got there early on in her teens, but did she have any jobs, Any anything like that? She did some odd and end jobs um, between like convenience stores and, and fast food restaurants, um, but nothing sustainable for the long term. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you already mentioned these uh, relationships. Uh, did this kind of thing continue? You know, she's 12, you said 19. I mean, when she became 14, 15, was it also 19, 20 years old? Or did the guys get older? Uh, how would you explain it? The guys kept getting older. Okay. So she became, she went from 12 and 19 to 15 and maybe 25 or something, you know, something there like that. There was usually at least a 10-year age difference. Okay. What about your father? Uh, any role in any of this? Any? What? Where was he? Uh, where was he? Where was his standing in all of this? Um. So he is actually the one that killed our brother. He is. Uh, the listeners should know that I, I, I think I remember that your your brother was murdered. I'm not sure that that ever came up in any discussion that we had. Um, I wonder if I even want to ask about this, but uh, can you just give the generalities of why this happened? Because he was a very bad person and, mm -hmm. like I stated before, made our childhood a living hell. Okay. All right. Wow. And then, like you said, he went to jail and um, died there. Okay. Yes. All right, so um, seven years old, 
has this happen, gets down on the wrong path. Uh, you, you try to talk to her. Maybe she has some decent friends, not a lot of uh, help there. She has these older men who I'm sure none of them were any good for her. And, of course, we know that it's, it's supposed to be illegal and, and everything else. Um, but this is what's going on. Um, what? Um, let's move on to this. Uh, she did end up having some children. What? Uh, when did this happen? Who was the father? How many? What, let's talk about that a little bit. She does. Uh, she has four children. She had her first child at 17. Um, she was the light of her life. Um, by the age of two, though, it was very apparent that she was not in any position to parent a child mm -hmm. at that point. Um, and so my mother has custody of her oldest child. Okay. Um, my second oldest niece is currently living with her biological father. And I am raising my niece and nephew. So she had four kids over the span of how many uh, years? Um, From 17 to... The oldest one will be 17 this year, and the youngest one just turned seven, so within 10 years. Okay, so so she had her first child at uh, 17, then her last child at 27. Yes. Okay. And you, like you said early on, a couple years uh, of the birth of the first child, it was obvious that... Um, because of addictions Life and other crisis. things, she just could not, could not do it. Correct. How did Crystal react to, uh, the first child and maybe other children, um, uh, being taken away from her? How did she react? The first child, I think it relieved her a little. She was still very young and experimenting and trying to figure out where she was going in life. Um, with the older, the younger three, it was harder on her. She thought that she could parent, um, but that was proven not to be capable because of the addictions. Um, and so it was, it was hard for her to lose custody of her children like it would be for anyone in her shoes. Mm -hmm. She loved them with all her heart. She just was not in a position to parent them and keep them safe. Was this something that somebody had, was there something that happened, uh, for example, did she go to jail and that's how the children got it taken away from her, or did uh, one, you or somebody else sit her down and say, we have to do this, or, you know, how did that all, or did, was she the one that came up with the idea of this? I mean, how did it, how did this all happen? How did it get started that, uh, you know, these children got taken away? There were multiple occasions that she would be incarcerated and we would be raising the children already. And then it came to a point in time um, where she was living with me and was out with her children and one of them had gotten injured. And so the state had stepped in and said that she couldn't bear them anymore. What was the uh, circumstances that the child got injured? What happened? They weren't being properly supervised. Okay. All right, we have to remember uh, that uh, Crystal was 29 when she went missing uh, in February of 2017. So first child at 27, uh, at 17, uh, last child at 27, and then two years after the birth of her last child is when she disappeared. And um, so she had these uh, children uh, taken away, and at the time... 
of her disappearance, was she caring for any of them, or were they all in the custody of other people? They were all in the custody of other people. Okay. And what was she doing with her life, uh, you know, in 2016 into 2017, being that she didn't have any uh, kids to take care of? Uh, what was she doing? And, you know, I guess I also have to ask, how um, how often did she see her four children? Her oldest one currently resides out of state from where we were located. Uh, her other three, she was seeing them fairly regularly. Okay. But she was living her life as she had known how to live it. Pretty wild. For, yes. Pretty wild and undisciplined. Yes. Okay. And so that's what was going on 2016 into 2017. Of course, we're going to get into the circumstances of, of that day, February 25th, 2017. Um, but uh, for you, uh, of course, you're five years older. You have your own family. Uh, you have children, uh, etc. cetera. Um, you know, how often, you know, these, you know, once again, moving up to 2016, 2017, how often were you seeing her? How often were you talking to her? And, and what were those encounters like? So I was seeing her approximately once a week when she was seeing her children because I had her three children. Mm. I was the one that was caring for them and raising them. Okay. Um, and I was having not weekly phone calls, but probably weekly text messages back and forth with her. Mm-hmm. To make sure that she was still okay as okay could be. Right. Um, when, when you would see her, uh, would you ever talk about her life and and things like that? Or when you would see her, was it mainly just her having interaction with her kids? It was probably 50-50, so it was interaction with her children, but it was also me harping on her about her life choices and to straighten them up so she could have her children back mm-hmm. um, and being the older sister and the caring sister making sure she was okay again her history of relationships uh, they were always domestic yeah. um, so she was always getting injured and so mm-hmm. my job is to try to protect her sure uh, any of these conversations over those years, maybe starting, I guess, maybe in her teen years and going up the whole way until she disappeared, any talk about trying rehab? Did she ever do that? Was she interested in that? Um, you know, going to some sort of counselor uh, to get her out of these um, abusive situations, any of like that, any of that tried over those years? She had seen multiple counselors. They did not seem effective. She had done rehab, I believe, three times. Um, and every time it would work for a couple of months and then it overpowered and she went right back to it. And that's something we hear about quite a bit on Unfound that, um, rehab, a very hit and miss and many of the missing people who had addictions and vices uh, who went missing and tried rehab multiple times and, and it not worked. And in fact, some people have disappeared I'll be right before going to rehab, and then some others have disappeared right after coming out of rehab, which is something that we still study and try to theorize on the program. Okay. So this is what's going on. Uh, 2016 into 2017, did she have a job? What was she doing for money? What was the situation? She did not have a job. Um, She was living with a new boyfriend at the time. 
Um, and I'm assuming he was supporting her. Okay. Now, something uh, that came up in our discussions, uh, I don't know uh, how it would ever play a role in, in the disappearance, but we're going to talk about it anyway, is that, of course, she had four children already. Uh, is there a belief that she was pregnant at the time of her disappearance? There is belief that she was pregnant at the time of her disappearance. And why, and why is this suspected? Is this something she told you or other people? Did she uh, take a pregnancy test? How did it come up? She told my mother and my oldest niece, and the last time I had saw her before she had disappeared, I commented that she was pregnant, and she denied it, but there was no denying that she was pregnant after you've seen it four times. Okay, you knew what the look, you knew what she looked like having been pregnant four times before. You just knew that look. Yes. You could just tell, okay. Any just tell. Uh, Sisterly intuition. Sisterly intuition, of course, Okay. And um, can you even guess at the time of her disappearance how pregnant she might have been? We believe four months. Okay. And do you believe that this new boyfriend was the father or somebody else? Or That is our understanding. Okay. All right. And we're just going to use his first name for purposes of this discussion. What is his first name? Because we'll talk about him a little later. What, what What's his name? Brian. All right. Brian. Okay. So uh, a lot going on, um, and I'm I'm taking for granted Brian was also wrapped up in all the same things she was. Correct. Okay. All right. So it sounds like uh, just in general, sounds like uh, Crystal had a lot going on, and in your opinion, once again, being her older sister, five years older. Uh, she comes over, you see her once a week, you're taking care of uh, some of her children at the time. Would you say that Crystal's situation at that time was getting better or getting worse? Getting worse. Okay, would you say that, it, you know, with, with once again, the choices that she's making, would you say that it, it was the worst you'd ever seen or... Were there worse circumstances in the past or how would you all look, how do you look at the beginning of the year of 2017 in regards to Crystal? I believe she was at one of the worst points in her life. Was she? Okay. All right. And um, so she's doing these things. And uh, so let's move up. Maybe just with the, you know, right before she went missing. The disappearance date is accepted as February 25th, 2017. But maybe... Just in those weeks before, we've already talked about her possibly, probably being pregnant. Anything else uh, going on that was maybe new that y you can think of uh, in any way that maybe you kind of look, maybe at the time it was just accepted, but now in 2021, we're doing this interview on August 1st, 2021. Uh, you look back now and says, well, just, you know, there was this certain thing that was different about her. Besides, of course, you suspecting that she was pregnant. Anything else? She was desperate to get her children back, and she was not on the path to do that. So she knew that she was losing them permanently. Getting to the point where she wouldn't get them back, you know, I guess even if she cleaned herself up, it would probably take a probation period or something like that. Yes. Okay. 
And I, I'm guessing that that had to have, uh, he, he, despite her addictions and her continuing to make these choices, that probably affected her quite severely, emotionally. Yes, it would. I think it would any parent, no matter their circumstances. Right. Okay. All right, so let's move up to February 25th, uh, 2017. Uh, you personally, what do you? What were you doing that day? What do you personally remember about that day? Uh, maybe I can ask you this. When was the last time you spoke to, or maybe you had a text, uh, with Crystal before February 25th, 2017? What do you remember about that? I had had last communication with her about a week prior to that. Um, and we obviously had a disagreement on her choices um, and was left disagreeing on her life choices uh, where she knew the ultimatums of what her choices were doing. Um, the day in particular, it was abnormally warm for Vermont. I was at home with, I had four kids at home at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were just having a normal day. Okay. Maybe I can ask you about that last conversation, about her choices and everything. You said that, uh, you know, maybe trying to get her children back, but didn't look like she was going to be uh, successful. When when this topic would come up, and once again, this is just days before she disappeared, um, you know, what would she say? I mean, uh, you know, she probably wanted to get her kids back, but she wasn't making any changes. How did How did that, how did she try to rationalize that in her mind? She wanted her children back in the worst way and would do anything in her mind to get them back, but her actions would not follow through and prove that so that mm-hmm. she could be safe for them. Mm-hmm. Again, the addiction was stronger yeah. than her, than what she could do. Right. Okay. All right, so February 25th, you said it was unusually warm for Vermont at that time, that day. Yes. Uh, what was the, what was your what was the temperature? If I remember correctly, around fifty degrees. Let me okay. remind you, we're normally in the twenties. Yeah, of course. Right, February. Uh, yeah, I've never been to Vermont. I don't think. Maybe as a real little kid with my parents on a trip or something. But um, yeah, Vermont. I usually think of that as being a cold state, so I get, think that makes uh, sense. Um, so you, that's how you remember that day would. Did you, what were you, did you have a job? Um, what were you doing that day? Where were you? What were you doing? I was, I did have a full-time job. So mm-hmm. I was working during the day and then at night I was home with the, the kiddos. Okay. So it was an unusually warm day and I have it here that, I, you know, to ask you so, but we're going to get into it that, uh, you know, when we get to the actual disappearance in this creek and brook, uh, this... This unusually warm weather uh, caused a lot of snow to melt. It was the rivers and streams and things were like high. Correct. Okay. And so you must have you like had snow maybe a week before or something, and then it kind of switched. I guess. More like the day before. Like the day before. Okay. <laughs> so it snowed the day before, and then the day the next day. So uh, on February twenty fourth, it snowed, and then on February twenty fifth, it was fifty degrees. Correct. Okay. All right. Well, that certainly uh, is something. Okay. And I, I'm originally from Pennsylvania, so I kind of remember uh, days like that when I lived there for the first almost 28 years of my life. Okay. 
So the weather, um, February up and down and all around, cold, uh, then seasonably warm. And so we move uh, once again on February 25th. Uh, what did she do earlier that day? Who was she with? What was she doing? And then we'll, of course, move up to uh, that night of this car wreck. But what now, you know, a few years later, what do you understand about what Crystal was doing earlier that day? My understanding now is she was with Brian and one of her friends, Allie, and they were essentially partying all day long. Okay, at Brian's? Yes. Okay, and, and where does he live? That is, that's in the same uh, jurisdiction of where the car wreck was, or what, what town would this be where Brian uh, lives? So I believe it was on the Plainfield-Berry town line area, so in the vicinity of the car accident. Okay. And so they're there. That's all they're doing, the three of them. Do you know of anybody else? Have you ever heard of anybody else being there that day? I have not. Okay. And who is Allie? Um, we're going to find out she was the, the driver of this car, but... Uh, how long had Crystal and Allie known each other? Did you know Allie? Had you ever met her? Were they friends from like high school or, or what? I had met Allie a few times and they were friends from high school and throughout after high school. Okay. Did you ever, uh, what kind of opinion did you have of Allie? She had a rough life as well and was on the similar paths as my sister. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like two peas in a pod. Yes. Okay. But that day, it was just two women and Brian, so uh, Ellie didn't have a guy there. It was just the three of them. Correct. Okay. And when you say partying, um, drinking, doing drugs? Yes, that is our understanding. Okay. All right. So they're doing that all day. And it gets, I guess, to be... Uh, that evening, that night, it gets dark. Of course, in February, it's going to get dark fairly early, but you can give us the exact time that you think that this wreck happened. But at some point, uh, it seems that Crystal and Allie decided to leave Brian's. And why were they doing this? Where were they going? How far were they going to have to drive? What do you know about all of that? So from what I know, this accident occurred somewhere between 11 and 12 at night. And they were headed, I'm assuming, to a store for more alcohol is what we have been told. Okay. Would there have been stores that sell alcohol in Vermont that would be open at, like, midnight? Is that unusual? Is that common? Um, I believe the cutoff time in Vermont is midnight exactly, so it's not that uncommon. Okay. So they maybe thought, well, we have to get out there before the stores close. Possibly. If they, Possibly, wanted to, yeah. if they wanted to continue to do this. Okay. And uh, like you said, Brian was a, uh, a new guy. Do you know how many times? I mean, was Crystal living with him? Is that where she was living then? Being that, or did she have her own place? Was she living, uh, I guess she was living with him? She was living with him. Okay. So maybe she's familiar with these roads, but, you know, if they're liquored up, if they're drunk, maybe that doesn't so much matter, but... So they decide they're going to go get more alcohol, but the thing is, is that uh, the car they're going to drive is Brian's, but Allie decides to drive Correct. Brian's car, even though Crystal, I guess, is, is the girlfriend. Any 
reason for that that, that you can think of uh, ever been explained to you why maybe Brian didn't go and they didn't stay at home or Crystal drove any any understanding of that my only understanding of that is everyone or at least the girls assumed that Ali was the most sober one is the only logical explanation that I have to that answer okay all right uh, and, and we will get into, uh, you know, if you've had opportunities to talk to Allie, uh, we'll get into that a little later. All right. So they're driving, and then uh, this wreck happens. Where does it happen, and how far uh, approximately uh, was did it happen from, from where Brian lived? So from my understanding, it was probably about 10 minutes from Brian's house, is my understanding. So not far. So not far. Correct. Okay. And so what is your understanding about uh, the wreck of the car? There are witnesses. What do you understand? There, Of course, it's it seems reasonable to believe if... You know, and I'm going to be doing a map for everybody listening. Uh, I'm going to do a Google Map video uh, of that road and describe where I think they actually hit this guardrail and everything. But what is your understanding regarding the wreck and everything that happened right after that? So my understanding is somehow, I'm not sure if they hit maybe a patch of ice since the temperature had dropped overnight uh, for where they were in the day or not, but somehow they had hit a guardrail. And there were two witnesses. One lady had stopped to ask them if they needed help or a ride to her house. Uh, they had both declined. Uh, there was another witness that has not come forward, as far as I'm aware. Uh, but both of them called 911 about the same time um, and reported the accident to the state police. Okay. Like every, I guess, conscientious uh, citizen should do. And uh, so there's this wreck. They hit this guardrail. Luckily, they're out late at night, and there were witnesses. I don't know what the odds of that were, given that it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere on a back road. But that's at you know late at night. But I guess it happened, and so these people call nine one one, and what happens? The um, first responders responded. So they are volunteer first responders. Um, they get there before the police get there. They see both girls. Uh, they see some sort of head injury on my sister. Um, and as they approached the girls, we are assuming the girls got spooked and they took off running from the first responders. So is it your impression, once again, the way you understand it, do you think that, uh, Crystal and Allie did not realize that one of these witnesses called 911 or, uh, do you think that they were surprised when I guess what we would call an ambulance showed up or, or, you know, how do you define that, that that they would wait around and that, you know, uh, I guess what I, the reason I'm asking this is I, I think the listeners know a lot of times when uh, drunk drivers get into wrecks, uh, they run off right away. They usually don't, like, wait around, but it seems that Crystal and Allie did. Uh, that's why I'm asking you this. Do you think that they even knew that somebody called 911? I do not believe that they thought that anyone had called 911, and I believe they were trying to figure out a way to get out of the situation. And uh, have you ever seen the car that was wrecked? No. Okay, no pictures of it, nothing like that? No. 
Any understanding uh, how bad it was wrecked? Did you ever, anybody ever tell you, well, it was really messed up, it couldn't be driven, or was it just a little fender bender? From my understanding, it was just a fender bender. Okay. All right. So they uh, they start running off, and uh, once again, the the I, I, maybe one of the witnesses is there, but at least... These EMTs, volunteer EMTs, are there. And what do the EMTs say happened? They said as they approached, they asked if the girls were okay. Um, they saw a head wound of some sort on Crystal. Mm-hmm. And that both girls then proceeded to take off from them. They were checking the car to see if there were any other occupants in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they went to follow the girls. Okay. And this would be out in some back road, and it was pretty, uh, you know, unless there's, like, lights from a, a flashlight or headlights, it would be pitch black out there. No street lights or anything, right? No street no, lights. No, okay. nothing, just dark. All right, so Allie and Crystal uh, decide to run off, and uh, does anybody does anybody chase them, or are they basically just running by themselves? The first responders follow them. Follow them. So they... Yes. Okay. All right. And um, uh, I have it here in my notes. Somehow Allie was caught slash saved. And, of course, Crystal, after she's uh, and Allie are seen running off, Crystal is never seen again. But what is your understanding on how Allie, uh, where was she when she got caught or saved? I guess she was in this creek that had overflowed. Um, what what are the circumstances of her being saved from the water? So my understanding from the detective that night was that Allie had went in the water and was able to grab onto a branch of some sort mm-hmm. and pull herself back up onto the bank where the first responders found her. Okay. And uh, Crystal was never seen again? Correct. Okay. Um Anybody actually, once again, it's being dark. Anybody actually see her go into the water? No. Okay. All right. And being this, all of this of what you described, when did you find all of this out? I received a call about 1.30 that morning from the state police. And uh, why did they call you how did they get your number how did that happen i am assuming they had my number from some previous arrest reports i'm assuming um enlisted as her nearest contact huh so somebody identified her as being the other person in the car and we'll get in some of the items that were left behind here in a moment but the emts uh knew that uh crystal bailey was in the vehicle and then somehow the state police knew to call you. Yes. Okay. What was your uh, initial reaction? Was this the first time maybe you got in a call like this, that Crystal was in a, a car wreck or something like that, or given all of her other choices, was this fairly common? Uh, so this was the first time I got a call about being in a car wreck. Um, mm-hmm. I had received... A few other calls prior to this um, for public intoxication or passing out at a public location. Um, so when they called, I wasn't completely shocked until they filled me in on all the mm-hmm. details. 
So you get called at one thirty. Did you uh, in the morning? Did you have to go somewhere? Did they just keep? Were they just keeping you informed, or what did, what did you have to do? They were just keeping me informed. Okay. So uh, of course that would be one thirty. That's going into then of course the next day. Uh, later that day, maybe you're in bed. You get up. Maybe you have work or something. Um, uh, there was no bed. I didn't go to no, bed. No, you didn't go to bed. Okay. Three days. Okay, you didn't go to bed. All right, so you're, okay. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, when did you talk to the police uh, again? Or maybe I, maybe I should ask you this. When they called you, did they give you any of the circumstances? There was a car wreck, and there was this woman, Allie. She got saved from the water, and, and Crystal was off somewhere. How... how um, detail did they get you uh, get with you during that first phone call? They told me there had been a car accident and Allie had been driving and that she was intoxicated and they had had the car crash and took off running and it was believed that both of them had went in the water. Okay. All right. And so that's what happens at 1.30. So no sleep after that. When do you uh, talk to the police again? And what was the process of, um, you know, of course, the next day, you know, some comes up. Of course, Allie's uh, saved. She's alive. Um, I don't know. Maybe they take her to jail. I don't, I don't Maybe they take her to the hospital or something, you know, eventually charge her drunk driving or something. But uh, regarding Crystal... Um, is there a missing persons report filed first or are there any searches done first? What do you remember about that, those first few days? When it became daylight, they were doing searches. Um, the water, as you had stated, was running extremely high and fast for that time of year. Um, mm. so it took them a little while to get a dive team into the water to make sure that they could be safe. Sure. Um, but they did do searches with a dive team, and they did search around the bank of the water, mm -hmm. um, but that the concentration was in the water because that's where they assumed she had went. Okay. And uh, by the time the listeners are hearing our voices, I will have posted uh, some articles about these searches. In fact, I know there's at least one picture. It seems like a there's a, a, a guy sitting in a kayak or something, and there's like a snow picture, uh, and it has to do with searching for uh crystal did uh the police question ali i i'm guessing you weren't there uh one-on-one -on -one with them but uh what did you find out anything that ali might have said about what she remembered about the night before and them running off they did question ali and her statement to the police were they were running they went in the water. She did not see Crystal go in the water, but she heard a splash behind her, uh, huh. but never heard or saw Crystal actually go in the water. Okay, and we have to remember because uh, it's dark. That's probably the main reason if this would have happened maybe in, in daylight, maybe she would have seen something. It's, we're not saying Allie is lying or anything. It's just we have, just have to understand that it was dark. Uh, what point did you decide... Um, to file a missing persons report. How many days in after these searches and everything? How long did that take? I believe it was within 48 hours the police had listed her as a missing person. That, that fast? Yes. Okay. 
And in speaking to the to uh, the police, whether you or uh, other family members, um, any experts in there? Once again, if we are to believe, and I, you know, I think we could go either way on this, but uh, if we're to believe that she did end up in the water like Allie, um, any experts on the the water flow there, and if. She went into this brook that was really a stream, like almost like a small river, due to the uh, due to the the melting of the snow. Uh, believed that it could have she could have gotten the whole way over to the Winooski River, or any anybody there able to give you any really expert advice, or was it just people guessing? It was just people guessing. They were guessing that with the weight of the water flow that she could have made it to the Winooski River or to Lake Champlain, uh, which are bigger bodies of water. Sure. Um, but at this point, they were all guesses. Okay. But, they, but their concentration, you would say, was in the water. Yes. All right. What about land searches? If, if water, I guess land would be second secondary. Um, how many people involved overall in these searches and what direction did they go from the uh from the car wreck as far as land searches again like i said their their concentration was on the water search Mm -hmm. um to recover a body that is where they were concentrated so land searches were really limited to i would say within less than half a mile around the actual water okay all right. All right, so the police do their searches. How long, how many days would you say they did searches before they said, like, you know what, we're we, we not finding anything. We don't know what to do. How long did that take? I believe it was day five. So five days. Okay. Can you talk about a little bit of the different technology that, that you saw or you heard that they, uh, that they were using? How all out did they go? They brought in the local dive teams um, and had them diving. I believe they were using a drone. Um, And other than that, Mm -hmm. that was it. Okay. Let's move on to this. Now, uh, this might be what we call the rest of the case. Uh, Let's start here. Of course, uh, police talked to Allie. Uh, What kind of charges did she get from that night? She wound up getting charged with driving under the influence. It is my understanding she was four times the legal limit. Oh, my. Oh, my. So, four times. So, 0.08, I think, is the accepted level. So, she was like 0.32? Or a little bit higher, yes. Oh, my gosh. Have you personally, you personally been able to ever talk to Allie about that night? No. Have you tried to? Not interested in doing so? What can you say? I don't know how to approach her. Mm -hmm. Um, She still is not on a great path in life, and I don't want to add more burden to her. I'm sure she feels guilty enough. Okay. Now, regarding Crystal's uh, stuff, I guess we might call it, uh, some of her things uh, were found. Uh, after this car wreck, I guess maybe after it became light and things could be seen, 
what things uh, were found, and in your opinion, besides, of course, Crystal herself, what things are still missing? So they found her cell phone and her little purse, which was more like a just a little bag which had her wallet in it. Uh, they were found along the embankment of the river, and that's all that was ever recovered. Okay, when you say... When you say the river, you mean the the like little creek where they wrecked. Not the Winooski River, yeah. but the creek that ends up at the Winooski River. Yes. All right, so close to where the car hit the guardrail. Yes. Okay. So her phone is in this bag, like you said. Uh, so, of course, it, it, she went missing, but her phone's not with her, whether she went into the water or not. Um, any of her personal things uh, still missing? Or just her? Just the clothes? The clothes, just her, machine. her clothing that she would have had on that night, her shoes. Okay. All right, so that stuff's along the side, along the banks of this uh, creek, and and she is still missing. Now let's move on to this. This this head injury. Um, have the EMTs or anybody else been able to give you, you know, maybe a, a better insight into this? How severe did this uh head injury seem um did it look like it could be dangerous any uh, what about that any ideas so we'll remind everyone it was dark at the time sure um but the volunteer first responders all they could say was that there was some kind of head injury and that it was bleeding but they never got a very good look at it and I guess Their the assumption is she hit it on the dash during the crash. Okay. Uh, and I was just going to bring up, uh, being that Allie's uh, blood alcohol level, four times the legal limit, limit, let's just call it a point three. Uh, I'm guessing neither of them were wearing seatbelts. <coughs> I'm not you, to our knowledge. Do you even know? Okay. I'm guessing if Crystal did hit her head on the dashboard and then i'm going to take for granted she was not wearing her seatbelt either because that's what seatbelts are supposed to prevent okay so um so what you're saying is even though somebody noticed that she had this head injury she really did not get uh examined by the emts in fact as soon as the mt showed up they ran correct okay do you happen to know that's all right so we have this water situation uh, we have them running away. Um, I can see Allie running, but uh, let's talk about that a little bit. We understand why uh, people who are drinking and driving run. Uh, with Crystal running as well, do you think it was a situation where um, she was just following a friend, you know, friends stick together, or could there have been another reason that she might have... Right, I mean, it's there's nothing illegal about. I mean, she's of legal age to drink. She's in the in the passenger seat. You know, what are you gonna do? I don't know how many charges you can get for that, but she ran anyway. Any insight into that? We believe she ran that night out of fear, uh, knowing that this would not look good, attempting to get her children back, because um, that was obviously her goal. That it would be another strike against her. Okay, so that could have been uh, on her mind. And then on Allie's mind, she's just trying to get out of uh, getting caught drinking and driving. Okay. All right. 
Um, the creek itself, uh, of course, you stated that it has uh, fast and high at the time, and I'm before the, this episode comes out, I'm going to uh, check the the weather again uh, those days before this all happened, uh, so I can talk about it during uh, the video uh, when I diagram the area. Um, how long did it take? Do you even know before the creek? maybe got back down to regular levels, maybe then it would have been a, a little easier to search. Any any ideas regarding that? I believe it took a couple of weeks for it to go back down to its normal, oh quote-unquote normal level. Wow. Um, and I do know at one point there was a secondary search done um, via the Vermont State Police, and nothing was located, and they have now stated that there's nothing more they can do because they have no idea to know which direction she may have wound up or where she may have went. Wow. And still to this day, once again, we're doing this interview on August 1st, 20, uh, 2021. Uh, no um, like local experts on water flow, anything like that, have, uh, have an offered up an opinion on whether... Once again, let's just say what it is, you know, let's just call it what it is. A, a, a body's in this creek, it's flowing, you know, so fast, so high that this uh, human could float from where, where the, roughly where the car wrecked into the Winiski River, which is a little over a half mile away. No expert has ever made an opinion on whether that's possible or not. Knowledge. The way, once again, I know you haven't spoken to Allie, but she remembers hearing the splash. Um, does she ever remember uh, any yells? Anything once they started running? Uh, anything from Crystal at all before Allie ended up in the water? Not that she has mentioned. Okay. And when was the last time you spoke? And well, Maybe we should state this. Uh... Who is responsible for Crystal's disappearance? What law enforcement agency? Vermont State Police. Okay. Uh, how, how much interaction have you had with them over the past four and a half years? Enough that I probably drive them crazy. <laughs> Good. Um, the detective that was on the case that night is still the current the detective. Um, she says that she wants nothing more than this case to be solved as much as we do, that it sits on her desk, but their hands are tied. They don't have any other theories or options or resources available to yeah. do anything. Yeah. Uh, disappearances that could involve water. It doesn't even have to do, uh, of course, we've, covered at least two disappearances that could have something to do with the Mississippi River, Jake Lachelet and Shane Fell. But even we have a disappearance involving the Atlantic Ocean. We have uh, at least two disappearances or technically four disappearances in, involving the Gulf of Mexico. And they are certainly the toughest to try to figure out, you know, you know, how do you go about if you believe somebody went into a body of water, then you know, if the person is not found right away, what can be done? So I, I certainly um, agree with the detective on that. They did searches, I guess, as quickly as they could. Uh, and nothing, uh, of course, was found. 
And, uh, you know, if you don't find, like, a shoe of crystals or something in the water, then I'm not sure uh, what you're supposed to think. Uh, when was the last search done uh, in, in that area? How long has it been now? It's been at least two and a half years. So it's been a while. Okay. Would you say, uh, you know, once again, if she went into the water, and like I said, we don't do a lot of theorizing, but I, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here that she went into the water. It's one of those things I, I'm just not sure what we can do. But has there been any talk, uh, you, being that you have uh, been bothering the Vermont State Police, about trying to organize maybe a more complete land search, maybe from where the car wreck was west uh, you know, toward um, where the where that creek uh, meets up with the Winooski River, but on land instead of in the water. Any talks of that? So the response I get from the Vermont State Police is they don't have the resources to do searches to that extent, and mm -hmm. that there will be no more searches done unless there is evidence or a clue. Um, as to where yeah. she could have possibly went. And at this point in my mind, there is no evidence or clue that is going to surface unless it is her body. So it yeah. seems like a catch-22. Is this an area where there are hunters or hikers that maybe might happen upon? Let's just say she didn't go in the water. Let's say that she ended up um, maybe she went into the water, but somewhere downstream, she managed to get out of the water by herself and like Allie who needed help, uh, any hunters, hikers that, you know, are in that area or is this uh, an area around this river where no human goes? What, what's your I understanding? Know, it's actually, there are hunters and hikers and that was one of the biggest fears is a hunter or hiker or a child at that point mm. may stumble across the body, um, but nothing has been found yet. Okay. Of course, you've already talked about your brother being murdered by your father back in 1994, and then, of course, this happens in 2017. Uh, what? How hard has this been on you, Michelle? This is extremely hard. Um, not having the closure to be able to put her to rest is the worst part of all of this now that we are four and a half years into this um to not have her somewhere where her children can go um we speak about her every day we have pictures up we talk about the memories all the good times um all the children know that she loved them and just was not able to parent them safely um but that doesn't change the fact that she was their mother so her oldest, I'm just doing some uh, math in my head, so her oldest would have been around 12 when this happened? Yes. And how old was her youngest when this happened? Uh, so, like two? A little over two, yes. So the youngest uh, does not even remember her mother. His or mother. His mother. His mother. Okay. What about the, uh, the, uh, the other ages? Any uh, memories? Uh, of Crystal, and and what do you uh, tell uh, the younger children? I'm guessing the 12-year-old, you know, kind of knows what's going on, but 
the younger ones, um, what do they know about their mother and why she's not around? If you can, uh, if you can say on this podcast, uh, being that it is going to be public, if you can say. I can say public because I am assured in my own mind that none of these children have access to media. Um, And so, yes, the oldest does know the whole story behind her mother's disappearance. She's almost 17 now. Uh, The other three only know that she was in a car accident and that she passed away. They do not know that she is still missing and has not been found. Given that uh, her history, um, uh, do you think that the police uh, did everything they could? I mean, once again, this is uh, two women, one of which is drinking and driving. Of course, Crystal has uh, a criminal record. I- I'm guessing when her name popped up on the police computers after this uh, disappearance happened, they probably could see all the issues she had had in the past. Do you think that that influenced the police in any way in what they've tried to do to find Crystal? No. I think in the very beginning, the first week or so after all this happened, they really did do the best that they could with the resources that Vermont has. Mm -hmm. Um, Being a small state, we don't have a lot of resources like other states. And I think after that, they were just stopped. They didn't know where to go after this. Vermont does not have a lot of missing people that are never found. Uh, So it's very unusual to have here. Right. I agree. I agree. And as the listeners know, uh, this is the first disappearance we've covered in Vermont. So I I can understand, of course, Vermont does not have a lot of people. So that's that's probably a factor too. But um, yeah, there's not a lot of disappearances happening in Vermont. That's why it took us almost five years to get uh, to this state, and maybe they don't have a lot of experience in this area. But I just thought I needed to ask you that because, as you would probably guess, there are other disappearances of women and men, uh, kind of like Crystal, where it was fairly obvious that the police did not do as much as they could because they they viewed the person as not you know being a fine, upstanding you know citizen. But I'm glad that. That you believe, uh, you know, they did any everything they could despite um, probably knowing about uh, Crystal's history. Knowing about Crystal's history, I know that some of them were skeptical in the beginning whether she had just ran and just disappeared and went off grid. Um, but mm. they explored all of those options to where she would have had ties to, mm. and nothing came of those. Um, and so, like I said, their search was on the water. Yeah. What has Brian had to say about all this? Can't forget about him. Absolutely nothing. I'd say, uh, show any interest, call you, take part in any searches, anything. Nothing. Nice. Okay. What has Allie done with her life? Uh, you said that she's uh, seems that that wreck and disappearance of her friend has doesn't hasn't seemed to have changed her at all. Uh, no, it did not help her in her life choices, um, and unfortunately, is still on that same path. Okay. Do you have a Facebook page uh, or anything else set up for Crystal's disappearance? 
we do have a Facebook page um, that we started a couple of months ago after submerging from close friends and family. Okay. And what's it called? Give it the title right now. It's called Crystal Bailing. Uh, sorry, Crystal Bailey, miss, Missing But Not Forgotten. Okay. Uh, Crystal Bailey, Missing But Not Forgotten on Facebook. And are you one of the administrators for that page? I am the I am the only administrator on only, that page. Only one. Okay. Well, before the episode comes out, I will surely link to it in all the places uh, that Unfound is so people can share it and like it and, um, of course, follow it uh, for any updates. Michelle, any final words before we complete this interview? I am just glad to keep her case in the public eye and hopefully... If any experts have any suggestions or ideas that we can try to see where the water was flowing that night or any other ideas, we are open to hearing them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I will do uh, what I can for you as well. Uh, this is just the beginning of us knowing each other, Michelle. Uh, I want to continue to be a, a resource for you. Uh, as I've stated, uh, these disappearances where there is at least a possibility that somebody went into a body of water and is not found uh, right away are, are, are very, very difficult, um, especially if you're not even sure if the person went into water or not. It just doesn't sound like there was any foul play in this. This just, uh, just seems like uh, two young women running off in the dark, and one fortunately was saved, and the other one is still out there. Uh, somewhere, but whatever the situation, until Crystal's found, um, you know, I'll be here to help you in any way that I can. And I appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And that was my August 1st, 2021 interview with Michelle Audette, sister of Crystal Bailey. I thank her for joining me and all of you on the program. I've done a YouTube video diagramming the road where the wreck occurred. I also analyzed the surrounding area and the brook's path to the Winooski River. Please go to the Unfound podcast channel to see this presentation. Also, you should know that Crystal's disappearance is not on NamUs. However, after the interview, Crystal told me that the Vermont State Police will be taking care of that soon. I've spoken many times over the past five years that too many disappearances are solved by accident. And if we're relying on luck to solve them, well, thousands are going to go unsolved till the end of eternity. But when I'm talking about this, I usually mean disappearances that occurred on land and that there's only the remotest possibility that the missing person is in a body of water. Well, this disappearances being solved by luck gets even worse when bodies of water come into play. Why? Well, in looking at the list of names from the intro to this episode, there's only one person who we actually know went into the water, Esther Westenbarger. And the irony is that nobody thought she was in that pond until somebody discovered her and her car there. You may say, but Ed, what about Dave, Kent, and Omar? 
uh, were only taking Jeff Wandish's word that they were out on the water when the three disappeared. There's no video or other evidence to back Jeff up. In fact, almost 30 years later, his story is still a bit fantastical. And in saying that, I think I'm making my point for all these kinds of disappearances like crystals. Without video or something, there's no proof that any of them went into the water nearby to where their vehicles were found. Tiffany Daniels, J.R. Mollahan, Shane Fell, all of them. In fact, we as the public only take for granted that these people went into the water because of where people discovered their cars and trucks. Well, that's faulty logic at best. When we consider how many people go missing nowhere near water of any kind, and they aren't found either. Example number one would be Jason Landry. Water doesn't cause disappearances. People, often the missing people themselves, cause disappearances. So, what's the answer? To me, there seems to be a kind of paradox going on among people who consider themselves to be water experts. On one hand, they say they know everything about currents and water temperature, and they can make predictions 1,000 years into the future regarding water levels, etc., etc., etc. Yet, on the other hand, people in positions of authority who are taking advice from these water experts seem to be hesitant to say, I don't think that the missing person is in the water, when search after search has been done in either a brook or an ocean, and that person isn't found. I don't think these experts should be able to have it both ways. It's either science or it isn't. For me, and bringing this back to Crystal's disappearance, it may be time to wash away the memory of the searches that have been done and start from scratch. Maybe even on land. I'll leave the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Densel, and you've been listening to Unfound.